The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1975 versus 1984. Two bullet trains enter. One bullet train leaves. The other one blows up. Toot, toot. <laughs> you could have said one starfighter leaves. I mean, it was, it was literally one starfighter. I'm going back on the... There's the last... There's a, <laughs> the last starfighter leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Hello and welcome back to Action Film Face Off. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment, your best choice for hardbinding special comics in your collection or magazines or anything you need hardbound. They are the ones that do it. They do a great job. Can't recommend them enough. Check out omahabound.com today. Once again, omahabound.com. And they make action film face-off possible. They purchase our fatigues, our camo mm-hmm. paint. Sure do. Our ammo. Click, click. Uh, uh, no heroin. <laughs> no. Boy, that's Pat. Never mind. <laughs> that we leave to Pat. That we leave to Pat. <laughs> anyway, this is a show where two random years are selected. And my brother will bring an action film from one of those random years. I bring an action film from the other random year. Those two films do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion is going to be crowned by the end of this episode. I am Jared Albrecht. Some know me as the Death Probe, possibly the yard sale artist. My co-host is my brother, Jason. You might know him as the Weasel Skull. We're both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun today. Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. What are those categories, you ask? Why are you still asking? You've been here before. All right, I'll do it again. Story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. Still not in that order. I don't know when Laurel's going to get this fixed. I don't know what we'd pay her for, but that's just me. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Right you are, Jason. And for this special 30th episode of Action Film Face-Off, we are bringing in our first official guest. Because two combat veterans isn't enough. That's right. We found us another military veteran, friend of the show, fan of the show, member of the network, the host of the Transformers Chronicles. It is Delvin, the Dark Web. Williams, welcome back to Action Film Face-Off, because you have been a sit-in co-host for a previous episode. That is true, and I will be remiss if I say, Jason, Laurel does not actually do that job. Just oh, that's right. She's uh, she's in HR now. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Forgot. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Right. Good to be back, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we might be starting a trend here. I think we might be doing more guests. And how is guests going to work on the show? You guys might be asking when we get to the scoring, as Jason said, we've got the five rounds and it's going to be scored by Jason and I the way it always is. But then as we finish the round, Delvin's going to get what we call the sniper's bullet. He gets a point, one point that he can give to either the bullet train or the last starfighter. 
it's very binary for Delvin. So there are five extra points floating out there for Delvin to give out as he chooses. So that'll be fun when we get to the scoring. But let's get to know Delvin just a little bit better, as if you don't know him from the network. But you know what? Delvin doesn't get to talk action films a whole heck of a lot. So Delvin, what are three of your favorite action films? Just off the top of your head, three action films that you love. I'm going to give a little bit behind the scenes. Jared gave me a little bit of prep and let me think about this, which is good, because otherwise it would have been a lot of me saying, ah. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here thinking about it now. I'm like, God, I'm glad I'm not on the spot. <laughs> right? It's overwhelming. It is because I go to the theaters to watch action films. They're fun. They are meant for the big screen. Uh, and of course, if you really like them, you can rewatch them. So three films. The first one that I thought of was Equalizer with Denzel Washington who is one of my favorite actors. And it was just really cool to see him do some really awesome stuff like that. And and I'm a big fan of tactical too. Like mm, mm. you don't have to necessarily do all the flashy kicks and everything like that, especially once you get a little bit older. So watching him do that stuff and it was all gritty. Oh, it was good. The next one, I know you will approve of Jared because wait, we saw- Wait a second. Equalizer, okay. that's approved by me, Jason. Oh, absolutely approved. That's a great Okay, film. good. Moving on. <laughs> okay. All right. The second action film that I thought of, I, I watched it with you, Jared. It was Blade. Approved. And one of the main reasons was just seeing Wesley Snipes with that martial arts action on screen plus comic book character. Oh, it was so good. It was so cool. And then I remember at close to the end of the movie when he's fighting Deacon Frost and he did that wheel kick and I just oh. like, oh! <laughs> I just freaked out because it was so cool. That's number two. Okay, approved. And, and oh. quick backstory. Delvin and I took martial arts lessons in college from another ROTC friend of ours named Joey C. Joey C. And after I saw Blade, I told Joey C about the scene where the back flipped kick, one hand, whatever, back cartwheel <laughs> kick, I guess, maybe. Yeah. And Joey was like, something like this, and immediately did it on his first try. <laughs> <laughs> I was of like, course Damn. he did. <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> oh, man. And Joey C was dope. Okay, one more, which I hope that it meets your approval because it combines sci-fi with a lot of the martial arts and cool stuff would be The Matrix. Approved. When I first, Ooh, proved, yes, when I first saw The Matrix, it was so cool and dynamic. And you just hadn't seen anything like that on the movie screen before. And I loved watching it and eminently rewatchable, too, just to see a lot of the cool stuff that was in that movie. Those are some excellent choices. And why does Keanu Reeves never age? That's what I want to know. <laughs> he and Top Cruise are drinking from the same unicorn. They are, man. <laughs> unicorn blood. <laughs> awesome. Those are some great answers from Delvin. Now, before our two films enter our video, Dome Arena, which I'm told has spikes on it, we're thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes. We do a lot of these little mini reviews called I Finished It videos. People tend to enjoy them. I mean, you could be watching them, too, if you're not a club member. For, like, I think it's like $40 a month, I think. I wouldn't know. I've whipped out my wallet. I said, take my money, and you and Delvin won't let me in. That was a cue for you to say, no, Jared, it's only a dollar a month, but I forgot you're not an actual member. Right. How would I know how much it is, Jared? <laughs> it's really only a buck. 
to get a whole bunch of extra content. But anyway, let's give a tip of the cat to people who are doing just that. Angelica Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. David Collins. The Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven. Hatherly 75. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman. Joe Thomas. John Watson. John and Maggie. Jose Poyo. Joshua Strickland. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. Skit Lap. If you play it backwards, it says Paul Hicks. Ah, okay. <laughs> Rick of Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cup. And Brad Morin. If we miss anyone on the list, we apologize. Just remember, we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're recent edition, we'll add you soon. Still, no worries. You can let us know we missed you by sending Pat an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll straighten it out. Now, you might ask yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's super simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to all the behind-the-scenes stuff for the Crusaders Club. Come check it out, unless you're Jason. Well, now let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1975. I put on my bell bottoms and selected Bullet Train by Junya Sato. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 1984, so I uh, took off my Walkman and got busy watching The Last Starfighter, starring Lance Guest and Robert Preston. That is a pretty fine matchup, folks. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason versus Delvin, uh, I guess. Uh, but we each had to select <laughs> from our assigned years, so I might very well like his selection better than mine. And I do. I love The Last Starfighter. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Jared, yeah, don't suck it, Bullet Train. Suck it. <laughs> Quit giving away the ending. Oh, Come on. <laughs> could be Bullet Train. Could be Last Starfighter. Who knows? This is all about us discussing some beloved action films like The Last Starfighter. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and we'll come to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Okay, folks, usually at this point in the show, we tell you where we watched it. To be honest with you, I watched it via my DVD of Bullet Train and my Blu-ray of The Last Starfighter. These movies can be tough to find. You can watch The Last Starfighter for four bucks on your standard streaming services, and I think that's probably the best way to find Bullet Train. It's not even on all the streaming services. You kind of got to hunt around for it. It's hard to get on board (laughs) the Bullet Train. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah usually we like to tell you where you maybe you can go spot them for free but i don't think you're gonna find either one of these for free you're gonna have to hunt them down and that leads us to our spoiler warning of course we're gonna spoil the heck out of these things so if you haven't seen them now is the time give it a pause we'll be here when you get back All right, warnings are out there. Richard Marks has sung the song. Let me jump in with some quick information on 1975's Bullet Train. Quick editor's note. I was not able to find the trailer to Bullet Train with the exception of the original Japanese trailer. So here's hoping your Japanese is pretty good. (laughs) Still, 
should give you a flavor for the film. So here's a three-minute trailer for Bullet Train from Japan. それ以上のスピードで走ってれば爆発しないが再び80キロに減速すると爆発する仕掛けになった。その間に犯人を逮捕する。あるいは爆弾を除去しなければならない。信じられないというだろうから、貨物5790列車にも同じ爆弾を仕掛けてみた。Here's your cast and crew. It stars Ken Takakura and Sonny Chiba before he was big time. It was directed by Junya Sato. And here's your synopsis. Stop me if you've heard this one. There's this public transportation vehicle and a criminal has placed a bomb on it that will detonate if the train goes any slower than 80 kilometers per hour. No, it's not. Oh, okay. You've heard it. No, it's not speed. It's bullet train. And the high-speed train is living on borrowed time as it rockets across Japan, hoping the cops can find the perpetrators in time to learn how to disarm the bomb. Here's your trivia. Publicity for this picture stated the bullet trains in real life cost about $16 million each. It also stated that a bullet train could travel at speeds of up to 150 miles per hour, making the 750-mile journey between Hakatu and Tokyo take about seven and a half hours. Those were some fast 
moving trains back in the 70s. Trivia number two. The international version, which is the one that we watched, was heavily cut, nearly 40 minutes removed, making its runtime about 115 minutes. The actual Japanese version included backstories for all of the perpetrators, and that version runs at about 152 minutes. Full disclosure, we're doing the shorter version. (laughs) (laughs) And your final bit of trivia. A special high-speed camera was used to film the shot of Okita being gunned down at the end. However, during filming, the camera malfunctioned, causing lots of registration. I'm going to pretend I understand that photography term. And severe overexposure. The resulting footage had an almost surreal look to it, and that's what they used in the movie. And I thought that last shot was quite cool. (laughs) I thought it was, too. I was Hmm. like, oh, that's a good artistic take. Yep, completely by accident. And they were like, eh, we'll keep it. (laughs) So there you go. That's your insight into Bullet Train 1975. Let's hear about 1984. All right. I will now give you the rundown on 1984's The Last Starfighter. Alex Rogan had a dream. You really are leaving here, aren't you? To be as far away from here as possible. You get your chance. When it comes, you gotta grab it with both hands. It started with a game. You're gonna bust the record. But it wasn't just any game. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And then one night... Centauri's the name. We have to talk about a matter of utmost importance. Step into my office. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Light years ahead of the competition. Hey. Alex didn't find his dream. my boy a world on the brink of destruction you were recruited by the starling to defend, to defend the frontier against Zur and the kodan armada of all the life forms on all the planets in all the galaxies chosen. Alex Rogan. Alex? I'm Alex. Is the last Starfighter. For every Earthling who's ever imagined traveling beyond the stars. Maybe there is a Starfighter left. I love you, Alex Rogan. Comes the un- Forgettable story of one who made it. The Last Starfighter. The cast and crew included Lance Guest, Robert Preston, Dan Mason, Dan O'Herlihy, and Catherine Mary Stewart. It was directed by Nick Castle. 
Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Alex Rogan hears that at the end of every dreary day. It is the introduction to the arcade machine that is the only escape in his monotonous life. In a dead-end trailer park in the middle of nowhere, Alex is stuck in a rut. That is until he beats the game and is approached by the game's creator, who reveals to Alex that he is from another planet. Alex has demonstrated the skills necessary, and now he is really needed to defend the galaxy from Zor and the Kodan Armada. Here's a couple trivia bombs for you. I thought this one was particularly interesting. It was struggling screenwriter Jonathan Batoil, who was a taxi driver, and he wound up in an arcade, and he watched a young boy mastering a video game for a little bit of time, and he had just finished reading the book The Once and Future King about King Arthur, and he wondered to himself, what if a video game was a modern-day Excalibur? And that was the seed that created his script for The Last Starfighter. I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That is pretty cool. My second bit of trivia is that as you guys watched it, you probably noticed that there was a scene with the beta unit with his head and there was an obviously a wig on it. And the reason for that is that test audiences liked the scene with the beta unit so much that they added the additional scenes in the movie after principal shooting had completed when they were presenting it before the test audience. And so they had to bring Lance Guest back. The reason why he had to wear a wig was he had already cut his hair by the time he thought he was finished filming and and had to film a couple more scenes. Fair enough. Did he grow a mustache by any chance? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I get your Justice League references. (laughs) Oh, we're talking the Superman thing? Yeah, that's funny. And finally, although he didn't have speaking lines, you can see Will Wheaton in two scenes in the trailer park during the film. Shut up, Wesley. (laughs) Get off my bridge. <laughs> I don't know why Patrick Stewart sounds like Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> They're both from over on that island nation. <laughs> we don't know how you did it either, Jason, but you made it so. <laughs> Make it so. Oh. Council of Troy, I'll see you in the hollow deck. It's literally Sean Connery. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and now that we have the basics on today's contestants, well, she's going to need some counseling when I'm through. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll say, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Woo, I am hyped up. All right, folks, let's play the game within the game if you want to. There are two films, five rounds apiece, which means 10 possible matches. Jason has not seen my scores. I have not seen his scores. Place your bets on how many out of 10 matches we are going to have. Shout out to Rick Heineken, who called his shot on the last episode at seven matches, and that was perfect. (laughs) We had seven matches, and he called it before he even listened to the show. That was impressive. That guy's a movie savant, right? He is. He is. All right, here's your score barometer. Just as a reminder, it's a scale of one to 10. Five means it's average. It's middle of the road. It's something you'd see on a TV movie that's pretty decent. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. You're talking about a really good movie. Four, three, two, one. Ew, not so good. There's your barometer. With all that set, let's get into round one. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? You know what? 
We'll let our guests go first. What did you think about the story of Bullet Train 1975? Well, I knew nothing about Bullet Train coming in. And so when it started, I'm like, okay, yep. All right. They're explaining about the train, which I've gone on the Bullet Train. Back in Ooh. 2004, you remember Price is Right trip? Yeah, I was going to say, see story about Price is Right. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and mom got to go on the bullet trains and those things, they fast, they fast. <laughs> that is absolute, I mean, those things are booking. But anyway, it was interesting. I mean, I think the story itself was very interesting. And when when the plot became revealed and I was like, Oh, this is speed before speed. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so at that point, that already was a good hook for me to start really keying in and paying attention. And so I think 1975 that, you know, to have basically a train heist was a really, really cool and original idea. I concur. I think this is a first timer for all three of us. I had yeah. never seen it before. Oh. Same with me. And Delvin hadn't, yep, Jason's first timer. So, yeah, first timer for all three. And I agree with Delvin's thoughts and interested to hear what Jason has to add. I just kind of remarked here this definitely was a Japanese version of those 70s disaster flicks. I think it, the, oh, yeah. it definitely had that flavor to it. The characters in the story overall, both the protagonist and the antagonist, and all the supporting characters, I thought they were all quite realistic. And I thought the scripts between them were interesting and realistic and i guess if there is a common theme to this i would say it's stress everybody's under a lot of Mm -hmm. stress in this Mm -hmm. movie so interesting script i would agree the only thing i'll add is i'm counting out the dark web here but jason back me up on this is it me or does this movie feel like heat did it have a heat feel the end of it we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show i definitely got that heat vibe when uh, De Niro is shot at the end of the, the movie. Yeah, and just that stress. I just felt stress through heat. I felt stressed. Delvin, did I count you out too soon? Have you seen heat? Well, what I will add is Miranda, when I was describing to her what happened in Bullet Train, literally said the exact same thing. Wow. <laughs> she said it sounded like heat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's she amazing. sure did. <laughs> That's cool. And Miranda knows her movies. She yeah. does. Next guest yeah. on Action Film Face Up. <laughs> <laughs> toot, toot. All right. Let's go to 1984. And Jason, you can go first this time. I, I know I'm teeing you up because you love this one about as much as I do. Tell me about the story of The Last Starfighter. What do you think? It's a very good premise, particularly for the time. The thing that I noticed the most about it was the using the video game to seek out and recruit warriors. I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition, particularly because we were hearing in the 80s how video games are time wasters and you know the rot your brains, corrupting society and yada, 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 all that stuff that we heard. And to see this script say, wait, wait a minute, what if this is used to find somebody who has a very unique and particular set of skills Wait, that was uh, taken, wasn't it? (laughs) But you know what I mean, that had the skills necessary. And that was a gateway to a whole literal galaxy of adventure. I just thought that that was a very unique take on a kind of a modern trope. I completely agree. And I want to hear what Delvin has to say before I weigh in. Definitely an interesting premise. And they set it up well, too, where you had the kid who wanted to go off and not just stay in the trailer park, not just do the same thing about getting fall down drunk with his 
same jerk friends every weekend. He wanted a little bit more. And then they even had, I think Otis was his name, set up the opportunity. Like, if you ever get that opportunity, it's going to come. You better grasp it by both hands. Things change. Always do. You get your chance. Important thing is when it comes, you got to grab it with both hands. Hold on tight. And so they set it up very well. And then this otherworldly adventure begins and comes out of nowhere and out of something as innocuous as a video game that he happened to be good at. Really, really good premise. I agree. The only thing I will add, and I say this every chance I get, I actually sat on a panel at Dragon Con where we discussed the last Starfighter. I just think it was insanely ahead of its time to use the video game premise in 1984. The Nintendo hadn't come out yet. You know, Atari was pretty strong, uh, but to use that premise like it's a recruiting tool for an actual intergalactic thing was just, I was like, that's just kudos to that taxi driver who put that puzzle together. I think that's a brilliant idea. The video game was very Never Say Never Again, right? You mean like the one he played in Never Say Never Mm -hmm. Again? (laughs) Yes. Like kind of world domination type. Uh, Except without the burning hands on the joystick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Never Seen Never Again came out in 83, so they were awfully close. Awfully close. All right, let's double back and score these, and we'll do our typical Jason and Jared scoring, and then we get the sniper's bullet, where Delvin basically has to pick one or the other. Let's start with uh, Jason. Let's see what he scored. Bullet Train, 1975. Well, obviously, this one was a trendsetter, so I had to consider that my score. 19 years later, we saw it again. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I thought the script was well written. I thought the pacing was pretty good, particularly for the 70s. Uh, and for such a long movie, it kept me engaged the whole way. So I landed on a seven, well above average for me. Okay, no match game, but awfully close. I gave it a little bit more of a bump up for its originality and it being the precursor to speed. And I gave it an eight. Fair enough. Last Starfighter. Did well, you give you... it a 10 like I did? Oh, I'll wait for you to get <laughs> No, it. I didn't give it a 10. I didn't give it a 10. Uh, we may not be match gaming on this one either. Uh, but I did give it a solid score. I thought it was, like I said, a very good premise. Definitely trend setting, like you said. The script itself was fairly basic basic formula but you add in the video game element and it was kind of a pioneer i landed on a seven for that one as well no longer welcome on the show (laughs) i I gave it a full 10 flawless victory i just think it's ahead of its time even when we're not following alex and we're following the story of beta unit i'm still engaged we got two good stories going on one guy trying to cover for the other guy his little mouthy brother cracked me up all the time I did you know, like a brother too. You're right. I, I'm gonna admit there's <laughs> probably just a ton of nostalgia glasses going on here because this movie just it feels like my childhood. So I'm unabashedly giving it a ten. Uh, hey, I'm not gonna uh, argue with you, man. You want to give it a ten? That's all you. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Delve the Dark Web Williams, our first official guest, has one point. Will he give it to Bullet Train or Last Starfighter on the basis of how good the story was, Delvin? I'm going to go with bullet train and mother (laughs) (laughs) for two reasons. One, it was somewhat grounded in reality and two, I've been on the bullet train and I thought that was cool. So I'm going to go with bullet train. You're still winning that 10 padded it, Jared. Oh yeah. I got to adjust some scores (laughs) to make sure this thing wins. (laughs) 
well, no worries. Uh, that's cool enough for me. And that's the end of round one. Hadouken! Well, that'll lead me into round two. And in round two, we're going to talk about the hero, our protagonists. How cool were they? How memorable were they? Let's talk about Bullet Train, Jared. What are your thoughts? Bullet Train's weakest category for me is the hero. Bullet Train, to me, was carried by the villain. The bad guy made the movie. The hero, like, I was excited when I was like, oh, it's Sonny Chiba on the train. There's not a lot of Sonny Chiba in the movie as the heroic train driver. I mean, he does a good job. And then you've got sort of heroes. To me, the biggest hero was that dude who was basically running the train system. And then at the end, he was like exhausted, you know, like he put his whole day into it. And I respected the heck out of it. But there's also cops, government guys. There's a lot of heroes. And unfortunately, I think it watered it down because one of the things we say is how memorable if his name wasn't Sonny Chiba and I knew him from those Street Fighter movies, <laughs> I no. would not remember any of them. I'm not saying they were bad. I'm just saying they were too spread out to get a good score. Well, I won't say it's a bad score, but too spread out to get a great score. Fair enough. Fair enough. I tend to agree with you. I think I guess I look at it a little different. I thought it was kind of the strength of the film. There wasn't this big glorified hero which I was also kind of expecting when you see Sonny Chiba. I'm like, when's he going to start whipping out that samurai sword? Yeah, right. Taking care of business on that train, you know? They're like, you got to tell us what's going on. I ain't got to tell you nothing. Sit down. (laughs) Sonny Chiba, fool. What the samurai sword say to the face? (laughs) Slice. Slice. (laughs) So I kind of looked at it through a different lens. I'm going to score this one fairly well. I think probably higher than you are, Jared, but I definitely dig what you're saying. Oh, we got to talk about Delvin. Delvin. (laughs) I forgot what was going on. (laughs) I forgot. Totally forgot. You're going to have to cut Delvin before me. (laughs) (laughs) Delvin, what did you think? Hey there. Hey there, Jason. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Not well, Delvin. Not well, obviously. (laughs) Not too much to add. I agree more with Jared on this one in that the heroes of the story were interspersed. I liked the detective work that was done. They did a lot of really good stuff to outsmart the criminals and to stay one beat ahead of them. Almost so much so that I was almost rooting for Okada to get away at the end, just so he can finally get one up on them and they can pull off the heist. And I know that, you know, it's not a good thing to put a bomb on a train (laughs) and extort $5 million, but it's a movie, so I can kind of root for the bad guy. But yeah, they were very smart as a cohesive unit, but it's kind of like an Apollo 13 thing, right? Where there's so many different people that were contributing to it that you can't really focus on just one singular. Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) Give it back. No, I dig what you're saying too, Delvin. One of the things that I liked about this hero category is there were definitely competing priorities between the police and the folks that owned and operated the train. And I thought that led to some interesting tension. So I think this one's just kind of how we how we slice it and dice it, fellas, to be totally honest. Let's talk about uh, Last Starfighter. Uh, Alex Rogan and crew. What'd you think, Jared? A 10. Oh, this is not scoring. <laughs> Delvin, your turn. <laughs> no, I, I like Alex Rogan. I'm always shocked that Lance Guest's star didn't, no pun intended, you know, his star didn't rise higher. I, every once in a while, I'll catch him in something and be like, oh, <laughs> it's Alex. You know, I just thought he was a really good actor and he played a good role. And I mean, who can't love Greg? 
Hey, yeah, Greg was awesome. <laughs> he was awesome. Even Centauri, who is a little bit of a sleazy con man, is lovable. <laughs> all, I love Centauri, man. They're all lovable. <laughs> I'm honestly not going to give them a 10, but I will give them a really good score because I, I like them all. And I just thought it was just a good combination. Alex had the right amount, even the beta unit taking some of the screen time. It's still kind of Alex, you know, so good performances, likable characters. I'll pass it to Delvin. I'm in agreement with you there. Beta's moment going out was really cool. Griggs' moments that he had in motivating Alex was really, really cool. Like, I mean, just some of those to me, it just kind of hit me in the feels. That was cool as well. And I thought Alex did a pretty good job of someone who just wanted a little bit more in life, but Not so much so that I have to go literally into another galaxy. I mean, come on, I'm a dude from a trailer park. Give me a break. And he grew into it and became the ultimate hero and made the right decision at the end. So I do think the heroes were a little bit more defined. I'm going to pop in just one more time because you mentioned something about how he motivated Alex. And I thought that was a brilliant piece of filmmaking because Alex was overwhelmed like any of us would be. And Mm -hmm. and Griggs helps him get over that. And I thought it was a brilliant piece of filmmaking because Alex is overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to do and he's freaking out. And then when he finally gets that motivation, he gets the same look on his face. He starts doing the same mannerisms as when he played the game back in the park. He was like, okay, I got this. I know how to play this game. I can win. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) 1984, Jared was like, yeah. 2021, Jared's like, yeah. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I really got that Luke Skywalker on Tatooine feel with Alex in that trailer park. Absolutely. Just wonderful. Delvin doesn't know what movie we're referencing. (laughs) Star Wars, Delvin. Star Wars. All right. I think I got everybody this time. Score time. I'm thinking Hero might not be getting a great score from Jared. What are you going to give it? Well, I'm going to give it a five. And I'm going to explain. I don't remember five is good made for TV movie hero. And I think that's what we had here. I wanted to give it the Sonny Chiba bump up, but I ended up taking the bump down. Cause like we talked about, I was like, you've got him, but you're not using him. But I guess his star hadn't quite popped yet. I suppose I felt like he was underused, which actually hurt the hero score for me a little bit. So I got it a five, but it's not a hateful five. It's fine. And it's, it did its job. So I'm going with a five. Okay, well, there's a bunch of people that are just staring forlornly at their loaded uh, shot glasses right now, waiting for a match game, because they're still not going to get one. (laughs) It's a sober episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sober up, folks. This is a six for me. Like I said, I get it. Sonny Chiba wasn't the Sonny Chiba we, we knew from the big action screen, but I still liked it, and I still thought it was really interesting how this ensemble cast played off of one another. So. I think just looked at it from a little bit different a perspective, and we're not that far off at the end of the day. So we still got our sniper waiting in the bushes. So, you know, this still could be tied up or somebody could run away with it here. So let's move over to Last Starfighter. Alex Rogan, what you giving him? I gave the ensemble of heroes a very solid eight. I like him a lot, but, you know, not that 910 James Bond, Indiana Jones territory, but up there with a solid eight. Okay, fair enough. Again, we're pretty close. Didn't go quite as high as an eight. I landed on a seven. I thought that they were well above average. Great performances out of everybody there and well-deserving of a seven. But I hear that sniper sneaking around out there. He's about to take his shot. Delvin, 
Who are you giving it to? My point goes to the last Starfighter. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Overall, like the, the cast is very good. And again, just Griggs alone is enough to bump it, even though Alex did a good job. And not to mention um, Alex's girlfriend. Uh, was it Maggie? Uh, Maggie was Maggie. the character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even Maggie. Maggie, like as soon as she even found out about the beta thing, she was like, okay, yep. All right, cool. I'm with it. Let's see. What can I do to help? And it's like, oh, okay. Love a heroine, good heroine. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last Starfighter. All right. Last Starfighter. Running away with it. I'm going to pass the baton to Jared, and he he's going to talk about the villain. Yep. Let's go round three. What do we do? We die. Round three is indeed the villain. How awesome is your villain? How memorable is your villain? How creepy is your villain? However you want to look at it. How much fun was your villain? And Delvin, I think we all had good things to say about the villain of Bullet Train. Expand upon it. He was crafty. He got around. (laughs) Yeah, he got around like a record. The longer version, as you told me, Jared, had a little, or maybe Jason, gave a little bit of more background into the crew and stuff like that. And that's the part that was cut out for this version. And I would love to have known more about him because clearly he wasn't a bad guy and that he wanted the money, but he didn't want to put anyone in actual really danger. He just wanted that as his focal point to get the money. He did a pretty good job, I thought, of staying human and staying ahead of all of the authority because all of Tokyo was, they were on him and and then the pressure was on, but he wound up staying one step ahead most of the time and did a pretty good job switching contingency plans when that came to. So I liked his craftiness. I concur. Jason, what do you have to add? You mentioned before how this one kind of had a heat vibe to it. I felt that with the villain as well. And it reminded me a bit from Heat, where you, you had Val Kilmer and his wife, who's played by Ashley Judd. And there's that scene near the end. The two of them are on the outs. They're about to be divorced. She's getting a ton of pressure put on her by the police. And at the end of the day, she can't betray him. We had a very similar scene here mm-hmm. in the airport when he has to uh, make a run for it, which, spoiler alert, <laughs> doesn't work out for him. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I can't remember the name of Sonny Chiba's character as he was driving the train. I can't remember the name of anybody that was in that control room. But Okita, that stuck with me for all the reasons Same. Delvin mentioned. Same. The only thing I'll add is Delvin mentioned earlier, this is a kind of a root for the villain movie. And I think the real reason why, I think the subtle or maybe not so subtle reason that we all bought in is even when his cohorts were dead, he still shifted out their money. I assume he sent it to their relatives or their families because he boxed up their money separately and sent it out. He's the bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. Very good. He had a sense of honor. I'll just add one thing real quick. I watched this off of your video, Jared. As I watched Okita, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know what his connection was to his crew. I went out and I plopped down 30 bucks and bought the the full DVD on... uh, on eBay. So I, I intend to watch it and find out. So that oh, tells cool. you how much I like the villain. Oh, cool. Yeah. Report back to us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move over to talk about the villainy of the last Starfighter. Man, you talk about memorable, some memorable haircuts going on. <laughs> 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 White boy got to do something with the hair. <laughs> 
All right, Jason, tell me about Zur and the Kodan Armada. Okay, well, to me, Zur was kind of, eh, uh, okay. He was very flamboyant. <laughs> yeah, he was flamboyant. He was whipping that little, uh, what was that, a scepter, scepter I guess? I- yeah, he had the little, little click blade and little switchblade scepter thing going on. <laughs> he talked a lot of S, but at the end of the day, I really liked Commander Krill. Yes. <laughs> Commander Krill was, was the bomb. And I don't think, however, the movie turned out, I think Krill was going to eventually just break Zor in half. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Good points. Delvin. I ultimately didn't think any villain in The Last Starfighter was memorable, except... They were crazy effective, right? Because there was a whole fleet of ships ready to go, and then it was like, boom! Oh, okay. Well, all right, we got we got one starfighter left. But then that one starfighter completely wiped the floor with the rest of the unit. So yeah, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B there. <laughs> Zor was trying to be all, you know, badass, and then it's like, oh, I got, you know, sticky device, and then <laughs> You just took like two centuries. Century A and Century B just came behind us like, yeah, come along with us. No! And he did. <laughs> For all of his preening and peacocking. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but, yeah. And so I didn't think overall they were super memorable, but they're kind of effective. And then we have the, um, the person who came after Beta. Good point. I think, oh, creepy mofo. That, yeah, just and, and assimilated the cops. So, I mean, that was legitimately scary so i'd say like just above the step of service level for me as far as villains go that's fair to me and i know jason 10 yeah probably an 11 the most memorable is is the well what do we do in his little eyepiece we die <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like dang Twitter kills the bomb man we care <laughs> Like, I'm dying, but I'm proud to die with Commander Krill. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's score these things. Jason, travel back to 1975. I I think we're going to have good scores for this guy. And where you at? I'm on an eight with Okita. I thought he was a fascinating character. I'm very interested to learn more. Guess what, folks? If you're thirsty, you finally get a drink. It's match game. I scored it an eight as well, a very solid eight. In fact... A little bit of a hint here. This is the only category where Bullet Train outscores Last Starfighter for me. All right. Speaking of Last Starfighter, you know I didn't give him an eight, but let's find out what Jason gave him. What'd you give him? Well, I think Delvin nailed it perfectly. They were above serviceable villains, carried mostly by Lord Krill. And so I gave it slightly above average at six. All right. My homerism comes through once again. I gave it a seven. I think Zur is memorable just because he's... He's so confident with that terrible haircut. <laughs> <laughs> those tight leather pants. Those tight leather pants. You know, he's like like the Freddie Mercury of villains. Like he could belt into song at any given moment. <laughs> and I'd totally rock out with him. I'd be like, yeah, Zur. But uh, anyway, I, again, I'm sure nostalgia points are involved. I gave it a seven. Jason gave it a six. We're close. And now... Sniper has loaded his round. I bet I know where it's going, but let's hear it. You should. It's going to bullet train. Okada was very cool. He was the main driver of the plot of bullet train. He gets the bullet. Fair enough. End of round three. All right. Let's carry it on. Let's carry it on. We're going to go over to round four. Tiger uppercut. 
That is the overall spectacle. We're talking about how engaging is the film overall. We're talking stunts, effects, sound, music, all that good stuff. The cinematography, etc., etc. Delvin, I'm going to start with you this time. What were your thoughts on the overall spectacle of Bullet Train? I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I know it's 75, but I thought they gave a good rundown of how the city looked. And there, because they went various places in the city, they went, you know, into markets, they went into factories, they went to the airport, uh, and then the main spectacle of the bullet train. And I thought just looking at the action that occurred on the train was pretty cool and realistic. There was definitely a sense of drama that the train was going like super fast, and then they had to do any level of coordination either to try to stop the trains from colliding with each other and that near miss or the time when they had to get the acetylene torch to the bullet train to try and get access to the bomb. And that was a pretty harrowing uh, escape, too. So, like, I thought taking a realistic scenario and trying to apply some of the things they did to it turned out pretty good. Excellent. Excellent. Jared, what are your thoughts? I'm really impressed with Delvin picking up on the different locations because that one went right by me. (laughs) He's made a great point. A lot of variety in filming location, which kept it interesting that I didn't occur to me as I was watching it, but that's a great note from Delvin. Like I said at the front when we started these rounds, this was a first timer for all of us. You know, I got 1975 and occasionally here on Action Film Face Off, we'll pick something we've never seen before because, I mean, half the fun is getting a new experience. And when I watched this movie, Part of me was like, uh, it wasn't so much an action movie, but more of a thriller, kind of in the vein of like what Sorcerer was like that for us. Yeah, yeah, it's a good comparison. Ultimately, I like this one a little better than Sorcerer. It just had a lot of good thriller elements going for it. It was just fun. It was just fun and engaging is definitely the word. I didn't check my phone. I didn't check out on the movie, even though it has its quiet moments. I never checked out on it. And I think that says a lot for a movie that's not strictly action. I'd really probably call it more of a thriller with sprinkled in action, but it's still going to get a pretty decent score. Yeah, I think the only thing that I'll add to what you folks have said, and Delvin, you kind of touched on it with the wraparound control board in the control room. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. They had a whole scene where it was basically me watching a dot on the uh, a light dot on the left move to a light dot on the right. And I'm like, oh, my God, are those two dots going to run into one? Another? I was on the seat of my seat, as Pat would say. So that was a very effective use of, uh, of a control board there, I thought. Anyway, let's go over and talk about Spectacle, The Last Starfighter. A little more uh, action spectacle, I would say. But what do you say, Jared? We'll start with you this time. Probably about 10. Yeah, for you. That sounds about right. No, I got to say that my favorite thing about Spectacle and Last Starfighter is they talk about movies where you see every penny of the budget on the screen. I think this is one of them. They didn't have the world's biggest budget, but man, some of those creature effects the spaceship effects. And this was the very beginning of some CGI. They did a little CGI, you know, basically probably using Atari, you know, ST computers or or whatever. We talked about that a little bit offline. I think it still fits into the charming vibe of the eighties with it. I don't think it detracts. I'd be definitely interested to see what Delvin says, because, you know, he didn't grow up with the movie. So maybe it's different when you watch it in 2021, but I still kind of feel the way I feel about Tron. You know, mm-hmm. Tron still looks good, I think, and is a little ahead of its time, even though it it's 80s CGI. So 
I really just want to hear what Delvin has to say about the visuals. But again, I want to say I'm kind of a music guy. I love the score to the last Starfighter. I think it's got a wonderful score and it's just engaging. It just engages me all the way, much like Bullet Train. I just, I've seen it probably 20 times and I watch it every time. When I was looking up information on the film, I think they used a Cray computer for the uh, effects, if I remember correct. That sounds right to me. All right, Delvin, what do you think? I definitely wasn't distracted by any of the graphics or anything like that, thinking, oh, man, this is dumb. This is cheesy. In fact, you know, the story sets up and, of course, they're like, you know, sleepy little town. But then the cool thing happens and Alex beats the game. First, I thought he was going to lose it. I thought they were going to do the falter thing, but he didn't. He actually made it to the point. He beat the game and then the car appears. And I was like, that's a cool looking car. And then... It's like, all right, yeah, you better be ready because they're like, it's a surprise. Surprise is coming. And then like already going 300 miles an hour and then boom, takes off into a rocket. And then the movie just shifts into a literal whole nother dimension. And it's like, wow, this is cool. And you got to see some of the spaceships. The spaceships looked really cool. And like the big, let's just be honest, Death Star of the bad guys, that was cool too and big and menacing as well. So there were tons of cool elements and and he's in the fighter, you know, picking off the targets and everything. A lot of stuff that was cool and it kept my attention. So I thought it was very good Spectre. Yeah, I agree. I I think you both nailed it. You can overlook a a lot of the aged computer effects because the other practical effects and the acting, the sound, the music were all so good that it just blends really well together. Just a really good story overall. But anyway, that's it. Let's score them. All right, Jared. Bullet Train, Spectacle, what are you giving it? Solid seven. Solid seven. For a movie that's not truly an action film, that's kind of a high compliment. I give it a solid seven. You know, I was right there with you. Agreed with everything you said. Uh, Much more of a thriller than an action film, although it did have some pretty cool action elements in it. It was a pretty good little shootout, dynamite out or whatever (laughs) with the one bad guy. I thought that was kind of cool. But overall... I landed on a seven as well. So drink up, everybody. All right. We got the sniper moving in the bushes. I can hear him. But first, let's talk about the spectacle of Last Starfighter, Jared. What'd you give it? I actually landed on a nine. You know, I couldn't give it that perfect 10 of, you know, like Star Wars or maybe The Matrix, but it's really strong. Could be some nostalgia there. I guess I'll find out when you tell me what you scored it. But I went with a nine. Well, I didn't go quite that high. I went with a seven. I think it holds up well enough so it stays above average. I think effects-wise, there definitely probably were better 80s uh, sci-fi movie effects, but this one is still pretty solid. Did they ever make action figures? And if not, that was a total missed opportunity. (laughs) No, actually, I did learn a little something about that, too, because they did design and manufacture some action figures but they never released it because I think it was a toy company didn't think the movie was going to do that well. So they totally missed the window on it. They held back on the release. You can Google some images of the action figures online. They had like Alex Rogan in Trailer Park, Alex Rogan in Starfighter Suit, Greg, Zor, Commander Krill, a couple others. They were all boxed up, you know, in their packaging. And I, want the, I want Alex and the ship and Greg. That's what I want. I yeah, want I don't know. You, you know, they should have done the ship. I can't say for sure if they did, but I know they did some action figures and just never released them. Man. Also, this is not related to anything, but if I was to start 
like a grunge rock band right now, I'd call it Death Blossom. Yeah, Death Blossom. (laughs) (laughs) I think I might have sidetracked us. All right, Sniper, take your shot. Who's getting hit? Y'all, this is tough. You've got the realism of Bullet Train, and you've got the sci-fi of The Last Starfighter. <sighs> I'm going to get my uh, get my bullet to The Last Starfighter on this one. Ultimately, what swayed it my way, and I know it's science fiction, but the spectacle made it fun, and the spectacle itself became the movie. I mean, they set it up, so as soon as they rocketed off into space, it's like, okay, you ready? Here we go. And that made the movie. And so did it deliver on that? Of course it did, because it did. It just did. So, yeah, Last Starfighter it is. All right. That was a tough shot, but I think uh, you made a good choice there, Delvin. And that'll end round four for me, and I'll pass it to round five for Jared. I'll be back. Round five is best action scene. I pretend like this is my round, but it's really Jason. <laughs> yeah, we all know. It's, I'm taking <laughs> this one over. So, Jason, go ahead and break down the action scenes of which we will pick our favorites from Bullet Train. You know, this one's kind of tough. We've mentioned it several times. It's not really an action film. But I thought there were five scenes in here which really kind of stood out. And I'm going to throw out to you guys to choose from. So the first one was when the Bullet Train was going head-to-head with that other train and they had to switch the tracks, right? I called that one Math is Important. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number two was the flubbed money handoff where the judo school. Uh, it's bad luck right there. Intercepted and then it led into the big motorcycle chase and so forth and so on. And then the guy got just, oh, didn't end good for him. I called that one, you don't get the money. <laughs> <laughs> good one. And then I picked the one where I can't remember the guy's name. But it was one of the criminals. And he was chased by the police. And then he was running for the, I think it was a train station that overpassed to get on the train station. And he gets shot. And I called that one, he missed the train, but caught the bullet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number four, the shot guy that was holed up in that warehouse and surrounded by cops. And he's like chucking dynamite at him. And then he ends up blowing himself up. Uh, I called that one. Dynamite. (laughs) And then the fifth one is when the train crew has to disarm the bomb. And I have to explain this a little bit because remember earlier when Okita says that it's once you know where the bomb is, it's really easy Mm -hmm. to disarm it. And then it ends up they have to like be hanging outside this train that's rocking (laughs) 80 miles an hour. (laughs) Old boys get like slapped in the face by that wire and his hands are all cut up. Yeah. Then they have to get like a propane tank to cut it away and they have to deliver it from the other trip. Anyway, I called that one. This ain't easy. (laughs) (laughs) So those are my five that I landed with bullet train. We'll pick our favorites without scoring them. So which of the five was your favorite, Jason? Man, I had it down between you don't get that money and this ain't easy. Those were two that were neck and neck with me. At the end, I thought that motorcycle chase was pretty legit and probably the most action-worthy element for action film face-off. So I picked, you don't get this money. Delvin. Woo, tough. I just want to mention, the Dynamite one probably isn't going to get it, but my goodness, 
I mean, hopefully the dynamite went off before he hit the ground because he already had a bullet in his leg. Like, ouch. It was like, <laughs> ah, boom. That guy <laughs> had a rough day, man. Yeah. He went out like a gangster should, but that looked painful. Mm. Ah, I would probably say I'm going to go with the wire cutting at the end. It was the most tense scene. I was sitting there, I mean, between passing the torch and then even though I thought like the one part where it got stuck was kind of extended for a little bit of drama, overall, just having to dismantle the bomb going at 80 miles an hour, that sounds terrifying. So I'm going to go with that one. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to pull an action film face off first and pick a scene that Jason didn't include. I can understand why. To me, it was the most engaging scene but it's not action heavy. It's when Okita arranges the second drop and gets I the money that one, yeah. and all that. And since Jason wasn't prepared, I'm going to call that scene. Tokyo can't see me. My time is now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think everybody's choices are, are legit, maybe even more legit than mine. It's again, more of a thriller scene than an action scene, but I was so engaged. I was like, just glued to the screen. So I, I just, I'm going to give it to that one. Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, as I was writing this, I was thinking that probably was one of my favorite scenes too. I thought that was just really clever. Hey, respect. Agreed. Super clever of him. Super clever. Yeah. He was a smart cat. Okay. Let's get the breakdown of scenes and pick our favorites from last Starfighter, And then we'll double back and score all this stuff. With last Starfighter, I also had five scenes. The first one I called, you are one ugly mother. That's when Centauri smokes that alien assassin. Nice. Number two is when Zur ambushes the frontier base. I called that one, let's rock! Because there are rocks. Yeah, yeah. 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 Rock. Okay. Maybe these aren't as funny as my last ones. I don't know. <laughs> Try again. Got up my game here. So then the third one was when Greg finally entices Alex to fight. When he takes on first the lone ship and then they come across that other uh, patrol and he's like, oh, I, you know, I figured I'd try to uh, convince you that there's a starfighter inside of you. And so I called this yeah. one. You ain't got to lie, Greg. <laughs> That's a comeback. Good one. Right. You That's ain't got like to lie. There's the one where, where Alex is doppelganger. He's putting the moves on Maggie out at the lake. And then they get ambushed by the other assassin turns into the beta unit driving the truck into the assassin ship. I called that one sailing blocking my andro. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll sound like this alien bleep blocking my Andrew bleep. bleep. <laughs> I don't know if you say or not. <laughs> and then finally a death blossom final fight leading up to death blossom. I call that one. You spin me right round baby right round. Not bad. Not bad at all. Is anyone here not going to pick Death Blossom? (laughs) Oh, no. Everybody's picking Death Blossom. I don't even know why I did one through four. (laughs) Just just checking. Can I have a subtitle for that one? Sure. Go for it. Born to raise them. (laughs) All right. right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, let's double back and score them while Delvin the Sniper marinates on which movie had the best action scene. Jason, bullet train, you picked the motorcycle chase. Yeah, you don't get that money. And you liked it to the tune of? 
I liked it to a tune of a seven. That was a really good motorcycle chase. Fair enough. Uh, I made up my own. Tokyo can't see me. My time is now. And I liked it to the tune of a six. That's no slight on it. I think the movie is full of sixes, which is not a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. I-, I probably would have rated all those a six, but this one was my six plus. This was my Joe November score. So I went with a six on that. Over in the last Starfighter, we all love Death Blossom. What do you got? It's got to be at least a seven. Go. Oh, no, it's not a seven. It's a nine. I thought this is definitely a memorable scene. Overall, we talked a lot about the effects, but this scene is so memorable. So it gets a nine for me. Well, bottoms up, everybody, because of course I scored a nine. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Because like I said, that's when when Alex is just feeling it, man. He is in the game. There's rockets going. There's like lasers going. He is just like he was at the beginning. Which, by the way, I think is a brilliant piece of filmmaking because that clearly shows you how much is not going on in that trailer park that everyone was vested in Alex getting the high score. Right? (laughs) Everybody, come around. He's going to beat the high score. (laughs) And they came. People stopped doing it. People were having sex. They stopped. (laughs) Playing cards. They stopped. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, match game there for me and Jason. And Delvin, load up that last sniper bullet. And which movie had the best action scene? Yeah, again, you know, realism versus sci-fi. But the setup for the Death Blossom scene, it was nice because they're like, you know, we got this thing. It might not work. We don't know. We're not sure. But then, you know, they were taking hits and Greg's like, nope, hold a little 300 moment. Hold, hold. <laughs> and then fired. Boom, 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 boom. It was like, oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, clearly the bullet is going to the last starfighter on that. That was a great, great scene. Yeah. And then it's, the ship's depleted. They're floating there. Yeah. And Greg's and like trying to like Mr. Yes. Scott the thing together yes. <laughs> so they can get out. They were dead in the water. I thought they were gonna have to sacrifice life support for a second to get out of the way of the Death Star, for lack of a better description. <laughs> great scene, great scene. And Griggs is awesome once again. All right. That's the end of our official rounds. We just have one more left, and that one's for Jason. Prepare to meet Kali in hell. Well, this is the deduction round. This is the round for the ridiculous. We're going to take off some points. We're going to minus some points for anything that we thought was just totally, totally ridiculous. I'll start with, uh, well, Jared, are you going to take any points off a bullet train? I am not going to take a single point off a bullet train. I can't think of anything that really threw me. I consider giving it a bonus point because the dude who played Tiger Tanaka from You Only Live Twice (laughs) was in it. Understood, understood. Uh, But he wasn't in it enough. He needed to be in there more. So anyway, at the end of the day, no adjustment for me. Yeah, I couldn't see anything that I thought was terribly ridiculous. I think the one thing that kind of jarred me out of the film a couple times were the model explosions as the guys like kind of in a bad way fantasizing about what the train explosion will look like. And those were obviously models, but I kind of factored that into the score already, so... I'm not taking any points off of here either. Yeah, it's a very Japanese thing to use, the models. I get what they were doing. They wanted to add that bit of spectacle to show yeah. you what it would have looked like. Because, you know, there's this tiny part of you that's like, I wonder what it would look like if that bullet train blew <laughs> 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 So I kind of appreciate the thought. But, yeah, model work is model work. And if you're into Japanese cinema, you're used to it. But we're, we're just not, I don't think. So, last Starfighter. 
You taking anything off? She. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Ass whoop for you? No, man. No. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Say a thing like that. Hell no. <laughs> well, I'm not taking any points off either, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what's the sniper do here? Suck up a bullet back into the, <laughs> into the gun? How's this work? <laughs> no, I, I, he can voice any deductions. His bullets are spent, and I'm going to start doing math. But, Delvin, if you have any deductions to voice, now would be the time. No, I actually didn't. You know, I was looking to try to have a semi-critical eye on both of them, and I didn't have anything to take away uh, from either movie. Okay, that is the end of all of our official rounds. Don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Field Face-Off. Looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 82 to 71 is... The Last Starfighter. As a side note, uh, apparently Delvin liked it a little better because his bullets went three bullets to Starfighter and two to Bullet Train. Not bad, though. Both good movies. I mean, I think we can both agree on that. And And both were enjoyable watches. It's definitely one of those where I wasn't, you know, staring at the phone or staring to watch like, ugh. It's almost done. Both good movies. Yeah. Agree. Well, congratulations to Last Starfighter. Now it's time to head over the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...2013. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. 2008. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrick. You can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me, Jared Albrick. Death Bro, Yard Sale Artist. I'll tell you what, it's at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. What about you, Delvin? Thanks for having me on, fellas. It's always a good time with the Albrecht Brothers. And you can find me on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY1977. Well, be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much all your finer podcatchers and some of the sketchier ones. You can check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send a question or a comment, you can hit us up at social media using Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Longbox Crusade. And we have our own feed on Twitter at AFFO Podcast if you want to keep the conversation just between us. (laughs) Speaking of which, if you want to interact with us with some live chat, be entered to win some free raffles. Join us on our next episode of Doing It Live Stream on YouTube, second Sunday of every month. Unless there's a holiday, we'll bump it to the third Sunday. But they start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Just head over to YouTube, check out Longbox Crusade, and give us a subscription, won't you? Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until the next episode, keep your head down. And your knuckles up. And your knuckles up. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Well, if you want a true veteran story, uh, when I was in uh, Kosovo, we actually got caught in a crossfire. Uh, me and my chief warrant officer did. Uh, they weren't shooting at us, but they were. we were definitely in the middle of it uh, between a skirmish between uh, some Serbians and some Albanians. And, uh, you know, we were just trying not to die. We didn't really want to we didn't really want to engage anybody. Uh, but as the bullets were coming closer and closer, my chief looks over to me. He's like, they take one more shot. We're going to hit spin and death blossom. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I knew right away what he was talking about. So, <laughs> so that, that one has. You a, said, we die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, do I hit it now? Do I hit it now, Craig? <laughs> oh, at any rate. Okay, Sniper, you've been patient. Take your shot. What do you, or did I score it? I scored it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, give it a piece of <laughs> seven. I did, yeah, yeah. And now I have to do some math. Congratulations to the last Starfighter. <laughs> Don't get it. You're the best around. <laughs> Nothing gonna ever keep right. you down. It's a good thing Jared wasn't in charge of uh, switching those tracks. <laughs> Mm-mm. I've been like, carry the one. Hold on. Almost got it. Almost got it. Almost got it. Hold. He's <laughs> like, you can stop now. The train's already exploded. Hold. <laughs> Don't. B- we got to go watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Had to say that. Uh, you may have to. Uh, you may have to edit this one slightly.